Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We do this every week and remind you all the time every week. And I don't know why I sound like this right now, because we're live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where the Lions talk never stops. We do Detroit Lions and Detroit Lions only as much as I would like to do other things sometimes. But uh, I get pulled back in to continue to talk about this team this team only, and that's all we do around here, except when we're just just being weird. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. In this POD cast, we are discussing the biggest questions now with minicamp done, with mandatory activities done. There's still big questions, and we're going to answer them because and to do to help me do that is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the man who has conquered the media room at uh, at Allen Park at Detroit Online, showing his ass to the world each day, every day. Hello, Jeremy. Let me let me adjust my crown here. Hold on one sec. Um, that's not crown. That's your graying hair. Hey, how dare you? Uh, yeah. Uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. Happy Juneteenth to everyone. Uh, hope everyone's having a good uh, holiday weekend. I, mm-hmm. I, nice to have a little bit of an extra day off. And commemorate some people that that deserve it absolutely i spent nearly i i my father's day was so extended because i spent the entire time all like all five days of the u.s open up there with my dad so and i am recovering from it still so (laughs) to help us to help us understand father's day is a real dad ryan matthews black is the mother at Ryan underscore P-O-D, who has a great baby who just turned a year old, too. I do. Happy belated Hello. birthday to Teddy. Yeah, happy belated birthday to Teddy. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not the stepdad. I'm just the, the dad who stepped up, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stitch that on a pillow. Probably could make a good bit of money with those. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the Lions. As we, as I said, we like to talk about the Lions here. We've got very big questions about the Lions, Jeremy, yes. because I think this is the part of the season where we've all got well and good on the Kool-Aid at this point. We've all got plenty of things to talk about from the practices that have gone on, but not everything's answered. And not everything will be answered, even with training camp. But we've got plenty of time until training camp. So we've divided this up, offense, defense, as we always do. And I guess the big question lingering in my mind right now, Jeremy, is I look at this offense. 
which was very good last year. Not the best in the league, but they they scored a lot of points when they had to. But we've seen this before. Young offensive coordinator. Can the Lions stave off regression? Can they avoid falling into the pit? Because with the way their defense worked in past years, they really needed an offense to keep in these kind of games. And we'll talk about the defense in a second, but the last thing the Lions could really, really want right now, especially with how much they pump each year into the offense, into the wide receivers groups, into Jameer Gibbs this this, uh, draft season, continuing to put their trust in Jared Goff. We're going to get to all of that, but that's the overarching question, Jeremy. Can the Lions stave off regression? Yeah. I mean, it's all about proving consistency, proving that you aren't some one-year flash in the pan, and there's no, you know, lingering reason lingering i guess concern that that it should happen but at the same time you have to go out and prove it right if if this team is going to be a long-term successful team like we think it is they need to prove that they can do it long term and and yeah you can get hot for a full season and then drop off it it happens all the time in the nfl um but if you can even like a second year i think of consistency see makes you believe maybe in your quarterback makes me maybe believe in your offensive coordinator makes you believe that this team is on the right course because year to year consistency is more um, common. I would say on, on the offensive side of the ball than it is the defensive side of the ball. So if the lines can show that consistency, there's probably a, a longer, you know, road where this offense is going to continue to be a top five offense or top 10 offense or whatever it is. And if you can be a top five, top 10 offense in this league, guess what? You're going to be in the conversation to be in the playoffs. You're going to be in the conversation to maybe make a Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I agree. That is the biggest question facing the Lions offense. But there's obviously a lot of subsect sub questions to that main question. So uh, I guess I, I want to throw it to Ryan. Like, what's what's like the your maybe biggest question, more specific question about the offensive side of the ball? Well, I, th- I think you touched on it a little bit, but it, it's the idea of like, where is that model of consistency? Like what can, what can this Lions offense count on week in and week out being their bread and butter? Like if the going gets tough. When are they going to get going? How are they going to get going? You know, you look at the way that they completely reinvented their backfield. You know, it, David Montgomery comes in as a guy who has a career 3.9 yards per carry. Is that going to be your your mode of consistency? Is it going to be, hey, we can count on David Montgomery behind this offensive line in Detroit. He's going to be the guy that kind of gets things going, right? He he's not, you know, you, you think that maybe Jameer Gibbs might be the spark plug, but I don't know. If this is car talk, it feels like David Montgomery might be like the uh the drive shaft. I don't know the serpentine belt. I don't we're know. really, we're really lost <laughs> in it already. We're we bringing back car talk for 2023. This bodes very well. That was that was a bit we were doing in the depths of some very bored Patricia years. Uh, we'll talk about running backs in a second because uh, I, I do. It is it is fascinating to me though, right? Because I think as we've always talked about in the two years we've had Dan Campbell, they keep talking about wanting to run the football. I know in the modern NFL, there's no such thing as a as a dominant run first team. But as much as they run the football, in reality, always keeps going back through the hands of Jared Goff at the end of the day. And this is where we get into trouble, because I think one of the question marks going into 2023 is Jared Goff. Not not even doing the hater thing, but doing that. We have to prove that the second half of 2022 wasn't a fluke. 
you maintained very good turnover free play for half of a half of a season. Uh, sometimes you take advantage of not falling prey to turnover worthy plays. Sometimes just being on your side. So can you continue to make very secure control of the ball? Get on the same page with a lot of your receivers. Get on the same page with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, come out to come out to a fast start that just shows that you know how to use all of those weapons the Lions have surrounded Jared Goff with. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of depth to the Jared Goff discussion, and part of it is yeah, it's that consistent, it's that consistency model, right? It, it's being what you haven't been over your career, which is consistent. Um, you and know, now playing with expectations on your shoulder too, as right. a quarterback. And here's the thing: like we saw a red hot stretch that really went two or three years in LA, and then it came crashing down. And you can blame whatever you want on that. Um, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna relitigate that again. But he needs to prove that that's not gonna happen here. He said, you know, I would say a total of maybe 15, 16 total games here in Detroit, not concurrently, where it's like, okay, I could see this work. I could see him be the franchise quarterback. We've had a little bit of inconsistency mixed in there, and, and some have to do with injuries, some have to do with whatever. Um, I'd like to see that model of consistency. I think the the other thing is Dan Campbell went out and said it. This is this is the best he's ever seen Jared Goff. So where where does that grow? Where do we see that growth? Where do we see Jared Goff, a 28-year-old quarterback who definitely, I mean, as much as people say, like, we know who Jared Goff is, I'm willing to have an open mind and say, this guy can still grow. This guy can still get better. He's He knows the defense for, you know, he's entering the second year of a new defense. They're giving, they're putting more on his plate, right? That was one of the things that they said that they didn't do enough in Sean McVay, with Sean McVay. Sean McVay was in his ears until the, the radio went off and he, he was calling all the audibles for him. Now Jared Goff knows protections. Now Jared Goff has more ownership of the offense. What is the next step for him? So it's not just mm-hmm. being consistent. It's also taking that next step. And what does that look like? Does he, does he take the next step to even, you know, I think most people who really, really like Jared Goff will admit this guy is not a top five quarterback in the league. Does he have the potential to get there? Does he have the potential to get in the top 10, like comfortably in the top 10? If we're really waiting to see this Jared Goff that has more ownership, that knows more about the game, that knows more about this offense, that has a comfort level within this scheme and within the this roster, does he have a ceiling that maybe is higher than people are expecting? So Jared Goff is obviously a huge piece of this puzzle. And uh, and and I guess we, we probably won't really get an answer to a lot of these questions until the season's actually underway. But um, a fascinating guy to, to really continue to talk about, I think. Absolutely. It, to, to continue the golf conversation, though, like I, I understand that it's going to be <clears throat> his body of work over the entire season. But for a team that has been snake bitten in the first half of their schedule for back to back seasons and missing JMO, who, you know, should be one of the most explosive players in this offense, if not the most explosive player. What does Jared Goff look like in those first six weeks? Is he the guy who comes out and says, you know what? I feel comfortable in Ben Johnson's offense. Now this is my thing. I'm running the show. We're going to get off to a, a hot start, you know, and, and I, I would consider a hot start to be something like four and two. Like if, if the lions can go four and two over those first six games it's a tough and, Jer- and, and Jared, yeah, it, it is a tough stretch of their schedule, but if, if they do something like that, if they're over 500 and Jared Goff looks like he's in command of this offense and he's hitting receivers and he's doing it with, you know, just Josh Reynolds on the outside, Marvin Jones on the outside, kind of just like maybe this rotating cast of characters outside of, you know, Khalif Raymond could even fit into to the offense's, 
you know, game plan from, from week to week in those, in those first six weeks without JMO. But, um, you know, it, it, it does, a lot of it falls on his sh- shoulders, you know, uh, fairly or unfairly, but that, that's where I think it kind of segues into maybe if we want to talk a little bit about the running backs, but Chris, if, if you have anything else to add about Jared Goff here, no, that's, that's, that's really all I really had. I think the big thing is again, like if you want to talk even just narratively, like what's he look like with expectations on his shoulders. I know from Rams fans, they would always tell me like, oh, beware when he has to ha- go live up to expectations. And I'm not even sure what that meant, but it is true. It's, it feels like the last two years it's been able to, for him to play well to the California cool and, you know, take it easy. But now the lions are not only expected to win, but to straight up win the division, uh, a, a down division, but one that is seen as being up for grabs. And that is still something that could be decided with just one or even two games. Uh, depending on what's up. I was one quick thing on, I wanted to get to, to Ryan's quick start thing. Cause I think that that is also drastically. Important. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that before. It's, yeah. it's been a, it's been a topic of conversation. There's and been I, excuses I, on the, for like why it's happened, but yeah. Right. And I think one thing that, you know, it, it's good that they have the consistency on offense. Now they have the consistency on defense in terms of scheme and things like that. The one thing I am not concerned about, but interested in, I guess, is, Goff developing that chemistry with a lot of the new pieces early enough that it's hitting the ground running with a guy like Marvin Jones, with a guy like Sam Laporta, with a guy like Jameer Gibbs. And we're going to talk about maybe some of these guys individually, but on Jared Goff's end, I wonder if he can develop that chemistry on time because we've seen it kind of develop slowly with, with some of these other guys. Yeah. To to that point, if we can talk wide receivers for a second. Sure. You know, by the end, DJ Shark uh, in about, what 11 11 games he played 10 games 500 yards on 52 targets and Jamison Williams for himself about you know nine targets 41 yards both those are kind of at least shark is gone sharks lost from that and Jamison Williams not going to see him at least for the first six games so with that in mind how like that's that's already two weapons one that that Goff got comfortable with by the end of the year, and one that he is still trying to get comfortable with in Jamison Williams. And there's already some consistent weapons on there with St. Brown, who we need to see a third year from. But if you look at this wide receiver group, can this receiver group maintain strong plays? That's probably the biggest question for me right now. Is this this is a very varied receiver group, but it's had some pieces knocked off here and there. And yeah. I, you know. St. Brown still played well, and I consider him kind of a known quantity, but can Khalif Raymond keep playing as well as he's been playing? Can Jamison Williams come back from six games away and start well? Because better or worse, they need him out there. And Marvin Jones, he has history with the Lions, but not history with these Lions. Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about a, a, a passing offense that was like the best in the NFL down the stretch. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating, I'm not not top five, the best in like EPA per play, that sort of stuff. Like the advanced statistics all thought this was one of the best passing offenses in the league. And and like we just mentioned, there's been a lot of moving parts in terms of the pieces of that passing offense. And so um you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the, the receiving core is horrible. I know it ranked like 24th or something in PFF recent rankings, which I mean, it, it it's it's not completely off base, but it's also like it's not even including Jameson Williams because we, he's an unknown quantity at this point. So when we're talking, especially when we're talking with those early starts, I, I am kind of wondering, like specifically 
what's happening on the outside? Because I think we, we've talked about it before. We, we know that they're going to be able to attack the middle of the field. We know that they're going to attack to short to intermediate routes. Who is going to test defenses wide and deep? Um, because the Lions haven't had a ton of historic success on that. And when they did, it was mostly a guy like DJ Chark, who's no longer in the team. Khalif Raymond is a guy who they targeted a bunch, who caught maybe one or two of those deep balls, but he's not he's not that guy. That's not his game. Can Marvin Jones still be effective at that? Will Jared Goff trust Marvin Jones, a guy who doesn't get a ton of separation. Um, this team doesn't have to be a home run hitting offense to be efficient. In fact, they they pretty much lived and died by just chopping up offense or defenses seven, eight yards at a time. And that's fine. But I know this team really wants to get those big chunk plays. And, and really, in order to be a consistently successful team, I think you need some of those chunk plays. So where does it come from from the wide receiving core? I'm not sure. I think there's this element too with with JMO's absence in the first six games. How, th- this offense is kind of it, it's the plane that's being built in the air, so to mm-hmm. speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And y- you saw the way that JMO was integrated very late into the season, and and you know who knows what they they could put on his plate um, in, in terms of getting ready and and things things like that. But I, I, I don't know. He's just the key to unlocking this offense. And I talked about it in the last podcast and talked about it when, when you, Eric and I were on Twitter spaces, but like if, if he is a guy who plays big time, this offense, I mean, I, I don't know what can stop it. I really don't. Like I, I, I view this as an offense that you have guys like I'm on Ross St. Brown who can attack all the spaces and, and find the soft spots and zones and do all the cool things that he can do. And you have so many weapons, so many weapons outside of that. And I know some of them are new and and that's where maybe some of the trepidation comes in. Right. Like as far as a receiving threat, like who is Sam Laporta? What, what is he going to do to this offense? How is he going to be different than TJ Hawkinson? Um, You know, there, there are a lot of questions in terms of what, you know, Jameer Gibbs looks like as a receiving threat. What do they do with him? Where is he lining up in formations? What What is he doing pre-snap? You know, th- there are a lot of things that Ben Johnson can do, a lot of interesting things, you know, specifically with those with those rookies, right, with Laporta and with Gibbs moving them around as chess pieces. But I, I just – I. I don't want to, I feel like we might be making a mountain out of a molehill as a lot of people keep on, you know, asking why the media keeps on talking about Jamison Williams. It's because this was a guy that the lions moved up to select. He's clearly a very dynamic player, an explosive playmaker, somebody who can take the top off the defense in a way that, like you said, Jeremy, Cleef Raymond isn't that guy. Like he's he's nice here and there. You got to yeah. pick your spots. It's really about play design with that. DJ Shark showed a little bit of it, but like Jameson Williams should be the guy that you know pu- puts puts those guys you know to to bed in the, in the sense that like he should be a dude. And if he is a dude, this offense very well could be top five again. I think that becomes my biggest worry for the first six games without Jamison Williams. Like there, there's obviously a worry that Jamison Williams can be that guy, but also at the same time, okay, like St. Brown, fine, cool. Marvin Jones, but what happens when you really need some of those depth guys who have shown you good productions in past years, ask for them to step up and they just can't repeat the same performances that they've done. Like, Tom Kennedy, Khalif Raymond, I know they're fan, they're fan favorites, but uh, I think we do this every year, Ryan. We kind of ask for guys who have really good 
like good by their standard seasons to then repeat it. And it, it's hard to do that. Yeah. And you know who might honestly have the hardest time repeating in this entire offense? It's Ben Johnson. I, I really think that maybe he has the, you know, there are a lot of expectations with a lot of guys, but this is the guy we were talking about. Hey, he should be a head coaching candidate, like for sure. There were a lot, there was a lot of worry around Detroit that if Ben Johnson doesn't return, what does this offense do? Like, how does it pick up the pieces and move forward without Ben Johnson? And I, I don't know. Like, I, I understand a lot of people, Hey, you know, the lions didn't have Jameson Williams for the entire season and their offense looked just fine. All right. Well, Hey, the entire league has a year's worth of tape on Ben Johnson. Okay. So now it's time for Ben Johnson to get extra creative, but he has the pieces to do it. Yeah, I think I think it's a fascinating year for Ben Johnson. And we talked about this, you know, when he decided to come back, how much of a relative risk it is for him to turn down potentially a a head coaching job to come back, because there's never a guarantee that you're going to see the same success year to year. Uh, It it could be a quarterback getting injured. It could be people figuring you out. It's not doing good enough job self-scouting. We kind of have a long history here in Detroit of having an offensive coordinator that looks really great for, you know, a stretch of time and, and, and trails off, you know, everyone, like I wore my Jim Bob Cooter for president shirt earlier today. Um, now <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that Ben Johnson is anything like that. I, I do have a confidence in Ben Johnson that I never had in some of those other guys. And he's young. He's had experience under a ton of different proteges. I have a lot of confidence in Ben Johnson still has to go out there and prove it. Right. It's, it's the same thing that the lions, players and coaches are saying it's like yeah we've put a lot of good stuff out there especially towards the end of last year but we still have to go out there and prove it and so I don't think Ben Johnson is going to fizzle out but I need to actually see it to know that it's not going to happen right like he has to go out there and do it and and like you said Ryan I don't think there's any excuses that he could pull other than maybe a drastic injury here or there too because they have enough talented weapons they have that that stellar offensive line that is going to continue to play well and they have a quarterback who is well versed in the system so there's a lot of pressure on Ben Johnson to because because there's a lot of expectation, right? That it's not it's not like his job's on the line or anything, but expectations are high. He has to continue to meet those expectations. I think that's his, a, his next job might be on the line. I sure. think that's kind of the theme running through the entire offense is that expectations have been set. We're asking people to meet it, be it Ben Johnson, Jamison Williams, Jared Goff. Yeah. And especially the running back, especially the running backs. But uh, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something there, no, Jeremy. The, yeah. I, you, I think you, you're nailing it, right? It, it's the bar. The, the bar has been bar raised. Bar was set. Can everyone now reach the bar? And and yeah, let, let's talk about the running backs because the running backs are, are well, a, a perfect example. This is, this is fascinating because I feel like, though, all of our expectations on the running backs is because of a running back group that's not there anymore. Right. Like, not, not just that, but like the running backs coach is gone as well. Sure. Like the entire unit is different now. There's no Deuce Staley to coach. There's no DeAndre Swift. There's no, break my heart every time, Jamal Williams. There is David Montgomery, and there is Jameer Gibbs. And I think the expectation, if we're going to continue that theme, is they're going to do what what, what Jamal and Swift did, but better. Swift, I mean, Swift, obviously, to Gibbs to replace and do better and to maybe bring even more of a pass catching game to it and Montgomery to do the things Jamal Williams did, but better, which seems insane because we're talking about Jamal Williams had a season where he was breaking team records for touchdowns by a running back. 
So that's a high bar to clear already. And you're asking it on guys who are playing for their first year for the team. One of which is a rookie. Yeah. Now granted a top 15 pick, but a rookie. I don't know how anyone can meet those expectations. They're high. They're high. But I mean, the, the lines made those changes for a reason, right? They, they made those quote unquote upgrades for a reason. And part of it, I'm sure is like, let's get younger at both those positions, right? David Montgomery is younger than Jamal Williams. Tamir Gibbs, obviously a little bit younger than DeAndre Swift. Let's get cheaper with drafting a guy instead of, you know, staring down the barrel of paying DeAndre Swift, which probably wasn't going to happen anyways. Um, but I think they've used both those moves as, as an improvement as well. Like we know they wanted to bring Jamal back. So it wasn't like they were reaching out to get David Montgomery because they really wanted to upgrade. It was like, okay, we're not going to pay this guy. He's asking for too much. Let's go get another guy who we think is either on the same level or better and pay him what we probably would have paid Jamal. You go out and you, you trade. I mean, you draft Jameer Gibbs clearly because you think he's an upgrade from Deandre Swift. And so, yeah, coming in with huge expectations, but running backs are, are a position that you can really make a big impact in your rookie season. And they're certainly expecting that. Like they're, they're getting that relationship between golf and Jameer Gibbs ready already for a reason. That guy is going to have a huge year one impact. I keep saying it. I keep screaming it from the Hills. They are going to treat this guy like they treated Alvin Kamara in his rookie season. He is going to get 90 targets. He is going to be a, 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 a foundation of this offense. And then David Montgomery is the answer to that question that, again, I, I, I hear people continually bringing up the quote from either Ben, I think it was Ben Johnson, where it's like, we had all these four or five yard runs that should have been seven, eight, nine yard runs. Well, you got a guy who breaks a hell of a ton of tackles in David Montgomery now. So at, at the core of this offense, it's still run game. It's not, it's not necessarily we're going to score all of our touchdowns. We're going to gain most of our yards on the ground, but it's, it's what makes the entire machine work. So I guess it's the engine of the car, Ryan. And so uh, <laughs> the running, the running core is running back core is, is essential to what they do. And they really do think they've upgraded, but like Chris said, like it's all in theory. Now this is all these guys first year in the scheme Gibbs his first year in, in, in the NFL. And they go out and meet such high expectations. I, I, I certainly think it's possible, but it's not a given. I think that's the, that's I, the ba- the main line. I think. Yeah. With, with the running backs, Here's a question I want to ask you guys, and, and no peeking, no no click clacking on your keyboard. Uh, where were the Lions ranked in terms of rushing attempts last year? Do you think that they were top twenty, top fifteen? I'm gonna say, I'm going to say with no information in front of me, they were probably twelfth. Pretty close. They were thirteenth. Okay, they they had. They were 13th, but I mean, just barely behind the Carolina Panthers and barely behind the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Mm. I mean, this is a Titans offense that, yeah, they, they missed Derrick Henry for a little bit, but, um, you know, 480 rushing attempts last season. This seems like an offense that should probably have over 500 rushing attempts next year. Like, I, I think if things go according to plan, this team is in the top 10 in rushing attempts next year. Like, for yeah. sure. Not, not even a question in my mind. Like, I, you know, you, you flip it over to the, to what the, you know, the passing offense was, they had, they were, they were 10th, 588 passing attempts last year. I, it's going to be real close to an even split, I think, between throwing the ball and running the ball because they went out and they paid David Montgomery. They went out and they drafted 
Jameer Gibbs 12th overall. Like, yeah, he's a pass catcher, but they want to run the football. Like, let's not get things twisted. Dan Campbell wants to run the football. He wants to stop the run. I, they're they're going to get a lot of opportunities. And to, to Jeremy's point, you know, I, I think the Ben Johnson thing speaks volumes, man. Like, if this is an offense that can move the ball on the ground, if they can be the Philadelphia Eagles, if, if they can be the team that nearly, you know, pace the league, you know, third in attempts with 544 attempts last year, um, they want to be that team. They do. And it opens up everything else, right? Yes. That, and that's yeah. the key. It, like Jared Goff is a fantastic play action quarterback. And so I know, I know they're, that's easy it, to do though. I know there are advanced statistics out there too, that are like, well, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad at running the game, running the ball play action is efficient as it is. I think, I think it's a little too insider baseball. I think there is a benefit to having a good running game that, that gets linebackers to bite harder. Or when, even just when, in red zone scenarios that was sure. the key to yes. Like the lions offense last year was having a battering Ram like Jamal Williams. You can't percent. How many times have we seen people trying to pass going for those corners in the end zone? And it's just, it's awful. Every time Jeremy Bader like, out is, is one yeah. of the worst plays you can the run devil. in red zone. The devil. Unless you have Calvin Johnson. Unless you have Calvin Johnson. Unless you have a cheat code, yes. <laughs> let's put the offense to the side. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, let's move on to the defense, which I think has bigger questions, but also ones that I'm not sure we can really answer too much on. Um, oof, another unit in flux, but uh, we talked about sky high expectations for the offense. I think the defense, we're just asking for competency. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD cast. We took a little bit long in the break because I think we're trying to figure out how uh, how to really approach the defense with the same kind of optimism that we're talking. We're talking about big questions, and yet we're talking about expectations for the offense. We're talking about expectations and bars being set high and trying to go past it. And um, I think the big question, when I look at this defense, we talked about Ben Johnson getting looks as being head coach. And this guy has too, but it's fallen under a little bit of a different light in that. I think Aaron Glenn also has to prove to lions fans to Detroit that he's also the guy and that he's got his talent to be the guy in putting together this defense. And Jeremy, I think we can look at this defense right now, especially, especially with the free agency work the Lions did in their defensive backs room and Brian Branch in the draft. And the question, the overarching question is, now that we look across, the, across this, is Aaron Glenn now the guy? He has his talent. Is he the guy to put it together? Yeah, and and to bring it to that head coaching conversation stuff, like I don't think there's, I mean, I, I can't say there's, there's no question that Aaron Glenn would be a good head coach, but I think... I think there's more confidence right now that Aaron Glenn would be a better head coach than necessarily a good defensive coordinator. I think he still has a lot of questions to answer about being a good defensive coordinator. 
And that's a much different job title than head coach. I think he has a lot of the qualities necessary for a head coach. We still haven't seen him put it together as a defensive coordinator, as a play caller, as a scheme implementer, all those things that are critical to the job of defensive coordinator that he might not have to use as, as a, as a head coach. And so, yeah, now he's got talent at all levels. They've, they've spent, draft picks, high draft picks on literally every single level of the defense now, right? You spend a first round pick on Aiden Hutchinson. You spend a first round pick on Jack Campbell. You spend a couple bit day two picks in your secondary with Kirby Joseph and Brian Branch. You got, you got a core now and you got some veterans sprinkled on each of those three levels as well. You have a good balanced roster in terms of a lot of young up and coming, but you've got those veteran kind of leaders at every single level now too. And so, the excuses are over, right? We're in year three of your defense. You've got a bunch of talent. You know, I'm not, you're not going to mistake this for a top five defense in terms of your talent, but you've got enough there where this team should be out of the basement and comfortably out of the basement in terms of defensive rankings. Will they do it? Will they do it, Chris? Will they not do it? Hmm. That is the fantastic question. Will they do it? Uh, what where where do we start with the defense? Just thinking about what what would be the let me ask you, Ryan, what would be both the strength for Aaron Glenn that he has to prove and what would be the Achilles heel that he has to overcome looking at the defense if he's putting all of this together for the season? Because like I, I don't think I, I don't know if we can expect the Lions defense to be top 10. I think most people's expectations are to at least be competent. And, but I also wonder what competence let's, let's start there before I get back to those are two, two questions. I apologize. I do this all the time. I throw out eight questions, but what does competent look like by your grade, Ryan? Let's start with that question first before I lead you into two more. Well, so I, I think with Aaron Glenn, the thing that everybody has been waiting for myself included, right? Like I, I was one of the biggest proponents of him, um, becoming defensive coordinator for, for Detroit. I, I thought that he was a, he was a sh- like just a, an absolute dynamite hire in terms of Parcells connection, a guy who clearly did wonders over in new Orleans with their secondary and a guy who was getting head coaching interviews before he became defensive coordinator for the Detroit lions. So I, I think the, the million dollar question is what can Aaron Glenn do for this secondary? How can he get the secondary in a position that puts the Lions in contention for for the conference? Like I, I, th- I think that's where the expectations are for Aaron Glenn because if he wants to really take that jump to being a legit candidate for a head coaching position, he needs to have a season where that secondary takes a huge leap. You know, I'm not even looking at DVOA right now, but those jumps that he made year to year with New Orleans secondary, a young secondary that had pieces. Okay, so you got to get you you got to give him that amount of of leash, right? Like, I get it. The Lions secondary has been, for all intents and purposes, a, a disaster over the first two years of him being defensive coordinator, right? Like there there are a lot. I mean. The, the stuff that he's done with rookie players, right? Like the, the guy who immediately stands out is, is Kirby Joseph. Right. This is a guy who a year ago, I'm not putting Jeremy on blast, but he was the guy that Jeremy was watching tape of and being like, I don't know if this guy sees the field in year one. Right. Because he has such a steep learning curve. 
now we're in a position where we're talking like Kirby Joseph's going to be like Pro Bowl. Kirby Joseph might be all pro safety next year for this Detroit Lions team that has a lot of turnover. So I guess that's the question with Aaron Glenn is what can you do with the turnover? We talk about like on offense, right? Running backs, Scotty Montgomery, he's got a huge job. You got two new running backs that are going to play a huge role. (laughs) Aaron Glenn has Cameron Sutton. He's got Emmanuel Mosley. He's got CJGJ. He's got Brian Branch. He's got so many different pieces that are being thrown back into the mix. How comfortably do you, do you work Tracy Walker back into everything? Like th- there's a lot of things that are that are coming together on the fly. Can Aaron Glenn do that? Because in order for this Lions defense that took steps, right, Jeremy, over the the second half of the season, right? Big steps. Yeah. They have that players only meeting. Isaiah Bugs, Ali McNeil. Those guys are, are are big time contributors to this defense. The pass rush is huge, but the back end, how important is that to the Lions? Even being league average from from year to year or, or from from beginning to, to end, it's critical. It's crucial, right? It's yeah. it's having that extra couple seconds for the defense to get home is huge in terms of producing producing bigger sack numbers. Getting more hands on the ball is is huge in forcing more guys off the field on third down and and you know and turnovers right and turnovers yeah absolutely and and with with Aaron Glenn if, just to bring it back to him really quick like I think we've seen mixed from him right we obviously in New Orleans he 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 got this reputation for being able to develop young talent we haven't quite seen it at the rate I think we expected here because for every Kirby Joseph there's an Amani Oruwari for every. You know, even if you want to throw Jerry Jacobs into it is a success story, there's a Jeff Okuda, right? And and granted, these are not guys that that he drafted, but they're young guys with raw skills. They're not horrible NFL players. They're not horrible athletes. They're guys that I think we all looked at and it's like, Jeff Okuda needs a good coach. We have a good coach. He's going to get better. It didn't work out that way. Imani Oroware had a really good season, one season under Aaron Glenn, then took a step back. Do we put that on Aaron Glenn? Do we put that on, on Amani? I don't know. But now, now he has better talent, more veteran talent, which should help him out, I imagine. And and mm-hmm. Dan Campbell even talked about this, like veterans help where your coaches can't reach, right? And so now guys like Jerry Jacobs, guys like Brian Branch have an additional voice in the room that have been around. And how does Aaron Glenn manage all of that? How does Aaron Glenn help improve all of that. And how much does he even have his hand on the secondary room? Cause now you got Dre Bly in there too, to add to Brian Duker. And maybe he's a little bit more hands off. So it, it, it's tough to put all of this sort of stuff on Aaron Glenn, like part of the responsibilities on the player too, right? We can't say like, Oh, Jeff Okuda failure is hundred percent on Aaron Glenn. I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how all those pieces come together. And um, I do want to talk quickly before, or if you, if you have something to add, um, you, you can. I want to talk about uh, specifically Tracy Walker, but yeah, the, the the one thing I wanted to bring up real quick is: was there anybody on a hotter seat than Aaron Glenn last year? You know what it I mean? Close, like, yeah. I I think at that point, with the start to the season that the Lions had, there were a lot of people like, "Why is this guy still in town?" Yeah. Like they 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 let go of Aubrey Pleasant, and as soon as Aubrey Pleasant was out of town, it was okay. Things aren't getting fixed. Still, why is Aaron Glenn still here? Yeah. Well, to, to real quick before we talk Tracy Walker, to get to the two other things, then 
like just and this can just be one word or one sentence answer then to Ryan and to Jeremy. Then as we look at Aaron, Aaron Glenn's entire thing, what is his biggest Achilles heel right now? In him or the roster? In uh, let's just go his his scheme, I guess, or like in how he he handles. Talent. Well, I, I think it's third down, honestly. Like, I think, okay, third I think down. He's, he's struggled on third down in terms of his calls. Like yeah. there was the zero blitz thing that, that kept happening last year. And then they kind of sca- eventually scaled back on it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he needs to improve as a third down play caller. Would you agree, Ryan, or just have a different answer? Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to be an Aaron Glenn apologist by any means, but it, it seemed like a lot of that zero coverage stuff was born out of we can't our, se- our secondary is not great. <laughs> yeah. So like, right. let's just try right. to like right. throw as many guys at the quarterback as we can. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be critical for him to to get things yeah. turned around on defense this year. And then what would you say, like his greatest strength that he probably had, he that or like a strength he has to prove this year? I think I think a, a, a strength that he's starting to prove and and will need to continue, I think, is just adaptability. Right. Is we've had so many coaches come in here and say our, our defense is going to adapt and, and fit whatever the skills of our players are. He's done that. He's like, they didn't start Aiden Hutchinson in, in, in a standing up role. And then they kind of moved him to that. And they, they changed the defense midway through the season and, you know, constantly adapting, which is, I think is one of his best traits. And so now you got a whole bunch of new players. You're going to have to adapt to, to those guys. You're going to have to adapt to what Jack Campbell does best and, and these corners do best. And so um, just that adaptability, I think he's going to continue to have to build upon this year. Yeah, it, it, it's what I said at the beginning. It, it's the secondary. The yeah. secondary has to really hold hold its weight. It's got to it, it's got to do a better job of disrupting the timing of plays. I, I think that was everybody's big thing about the Miami game, right? And that's mm-hmm. ultimately what led to Aubrey Pleasant getting sent out of town. Was hey, there's some miscommunication in terms of why aren't the corners jamming and things like that. And and if you're disrupting the timing that's going to give just that amount of time that you need for your pass rush to get home. Right. Um, Or at least throw things off. And that's going to be so important for this defense. All right. With those one sentence answers now done. There's a long sentence. You're I know. I know. (laughs) Um, We can, I can, every time I do that, I'm like, I, you know what? I should probably not try to tee those up. Whose fault is it at that point? It's mine. It's mine. (laughs) I should know. I should know the groceries that I've bought that I actually haven't bought actually, but um, I think though the commonality in those you mentioned, Ryan, is the secondary. And Jeremy, you mentioned adaptability, and we I think we've talked about looking at all these cornerbacks. I think we had a question that we answered on one of our previous podcasts about you know a lot of people keep asking us about stuff like CB two, and there's not really such a thing or like outside CB two like and there's so many just straight defensive backs with a lot of versatility, a lot of flexibility. I think we were actually, I'm sorry, not CB2, but I think we were talking like, was it slot corner we were discussing? I, I don't remember, but either way, the idea came up is that versatility, adaptability, but it still needs a leader in the room, and that's Tracy Walker. And I, I don't know, where. looking at this season, do you have questions about Tracy Walker? Do you have tr- questions about Walker's performance, what he can do going into this year? Yeah, I do. Um I, th- I think a lot of people are just kind of under the assumption was like, oh, well, he's cleared to play. He's cre- cleared to practice. 
Um, he's going to come in training camp day one and, and just be there. So everything's going to be great. Um, but even taking the Achilles injury away, I think he has a ton of a ton to prove as a player. I don't think he's put together the kind of season that he's capable of yet. Um, and and part of that is is because of the injury. Part of it is because of inconsistent play. Part of it is because he didn't have a good supporting cast. Well, he's got a lot of that now. Um, but but at the same time, he is in less than year one off of that Achilles injury. And that is not something that you just slide back in and you're great. Right. Um, we, we, we heard um, Steve Hyden, the, the tight ends coach talk about ACLs and how that first year return from the ACL is never, you're never feeling quite yourself. I know we all watch these videos of Tracy Walker and he's running like a normal person would run. He looks completely healed. But I'm not so certain that he's going to step in day one and just be like, well, I'm a I'm an above average safety again. Like I'm I'm in this lineup and I'm everything is going to be perfect. It's a mental thing, yeah. right? Like Jeff Okuda talked about it a lot and the the mental hurdle that you have to clear. And that's the thing about this Lions defense, though, is, is you look at it and it's been so snake bitten by injuries in terms of a lot of the players that are supposed to, or, or at least were supposed to be foundational pieces, right? Jeff Okuda with the Achilles, Romeo Aquara, who signs a big deal. He yep. suffered the Achilles injury. Levi Onzerike, a second round pick. That's supposed to be a cornerstone to your team. You know, even a third round pick, like a Fatu Milifanu, that's supposed to be a guy who contributes on game day. A lot of the injuries the Lions have to overcome, and that includes Tracy Walker as well, and it includes Emmanuel Mosley too, right? Like coming right. off the ACL injury. So I I, I think that the, there's – the secondary has a lot of question marks. The, the, the spot that I'm kind of most interested in, though, with this defense, where I, I could see like on a week-in, week-out basis last year, where they just needed improved play. It's at the second level. The linebackers, in terms of the Lions being the team that they want to be, that I talked about in the first segment, Dan Campbell, I want to run the ball. I want to stop the run. If you want to stop the run, I think they have the dudes up front now to do it, right? I think they ha- they have a Lee McNeil. They have, they have a bunch of edge guys who are good run defenders, right? Like yep. Aiden, Josh Pascal, uh, Romeo Quara, if he gets healthy. These guys, John Kaminsky, yep. all guys that are – really good against the run okay it's about those linebackers and their run fits and i don't know if anybody on the defense might have more pressure on them to perform immediately as the 18th 18th pick overall it's jack campbell like this linebackers guy, yeah a lot of expectations right and even alex anzalone signed a big contract extension for this regime that was a big contract I, I, i'll go ahead and say it i think linebackers might have the most questions about them because yes you, you mentioned jack campbell that's a lot to put on a rookie linebacker to be like we're talking about getting him the green dot at some point in the season like that's a huge responsibility for a guy who who's coming who's just a rookie year for and and, and by the way for for a, you know a position where we just don't see many moonshots anymore we're just hoping the guy is that moonshot meanwhile Anzalone just had a phenomenal season they gave him a lot of money and until Campbell's that guy he is Anzalone is that guy 
And I think fans have just kind of accepted the flash of Rodrigo last year is, yeah, that's who he's going to be every, every year. And Rodrigo himself needs to prove that he can be a linebacker who's in there all who can play regularly and dominate and, and just, or even just contribute regularly, Jeremy. Yeah. Questions here. There are, um, Jerry, real quick, the, the yeah. question that I want to ask you is, I, and Chris is kind of alluding to it, like it seems like the linebacker position, even though Anzalone seems like a, a surefire starter, right? Yeah. And you hope that Jack Campbell's there too. But it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what that group is going to look like, not only in terms of you know who's starting, but like how they perform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. I, I thought the Lions had... Okay, linebacker play last year. I do, and I know. I know. I I would agree with that, but again, I guess the thing on Anzalone is like the year before it wasn't okay play, right? But but I think there is something to be said about having more talent. Or like I I believe his excuse. I believe his excuse that once you surround yourself with players that are a little bit more comfortable, that you're a little bit more comfortable with, you aren't trying to overcompensate. Everyone is doing their own job, and that should continue this year. Um. The question I have is, is what does better linebacker play look like? I know everyone, you know, gets all white, white knuckled when talking about the, the run defense last year. I maintain it got better, significantly better in the second half of the season. I know all of you are screaming Carolina game, Carolina game, one game. They shut down Saquon Barkley. They shut down the Packers for two games. They unsafe field conditions, unsafe field for sure. Whatever. <laughs> like I, I am willing to give them a one game grace period for a couple of months where they really did become a good run defense, not just an average one, a good one. Um, And so when you add Jack Campbell to the mix, where do we see that improvement? Where do we see the linebacker? Like, are we seeing better coverage? Are we seeing guys that can cover tight ends? Are we seeing, more pass rush. Are these guys going to be a little bit more aggressive in what they do? Again, it's, 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 we, we talk about versatility in the secondary a whole bunch and, and how that opens up a lot of things that they can do. I think if you get a guy like Jack Campbell, who I think they might send on blitzes more than he saw at Iowa. In fact, I feel like coaches have hinted at it. Okay. Well, what does that open up them to do? Like, what does that open up for Alex Anzalone to do? We, we've heard a ton about um, Derek Barnes. Is he going to be out there and maybe more? Maybe he becomes kind of the more situational pass ru- or pass coverage guy. Like there's there's a lot more I think you can do at the linebacker level now that Jack Campbell's in the mix. And if there's anything we know from from how they've used their linebackers in the past, sometimes they will have some situational guys in there. And so we focus on the two starters, but I think three and maybe even four, whether it's Barnes, Rodriguez, or whoever. Like, I think those guys are going to have some more significant roles than maybe we're talking about. And so what does that do to the overall unit? But I will go back to Ryan's point that, yeah, there's a ton of pressure on on Jack Campbell because people have been frustrated with the linebacker play. I don't think it's been as bad as people have advertised, but there's a lot of pressure on him. And to make that, I guess, run game look maybe a little bit more consistent for a 17 game span rather than a six or seven game span. Yeah. Uh, One last question, if we're since we're doing position groups. And I think we we have talked quite a bit about it in the past month plus. Yeah. And it's been about the defensive tackles. Yeah. And I, this one's hard for me. I, I feel like I should just I, I know, Ryan, we're, we're I, I feel like you can formulate the 
questions better than me on this group because I just I get this dread sense that there is something that we are all very concerned with on the DTs, but I'm really struggling to put it into words right now. I think it's the snap allotment. I, I think it's figuring out which guys are going to well, because you, you got you got a few players, right? You have Broderick Martin, right. you have Ali McNeil, and you have Isaiah Bugs. Those are your three guys on the interior that you expect to see, you know, for the most part, down in, down out. I, I, I'm wondering if the Lions, because I think a lot of the Lions defense is going to be predicated on what kind of step can Ali McNeil make? Mm-hmm. Because if he can make that, if he can make that, hey, I'm a pro bowler kind of guy step, I, I'm I'm not trying to throw all pro in there, but like, and I'm not even trying to say, hey, can you be Chris Jones or hey, can you be Quinn and Williams? Can you be more like the guy that was in the Giants game than you are the guy who was kind of MIA for the first, you know, six, seven, eight weeks of the season? You know, like if you're making a more consistent impact as as you should be a Lee McNeil, like as a pass rusher, I think that changes a lot of things for the defense in terms of what they can do, right? What kind of personnel they can throw out, what guys they feel comfortable putting on the field. He's kind of the secret sauce. Like, yeah, there's question marks at cornerback. There's question marks at, Hey, is Charles Harris going to have a bounce back year? How's Romeo Aquara going to look in year two? Julian Aquara. Like there's so many, like kind of, I, I, I'm not trying to use the word serious questions, but like, those kind of seem like, oh, like they have contingency plans in other places. You know what I mean? Yep. Beyond Ali McNeil. Yeah. That I mean, that's that's my whole overall point, which is like Donde esta la defensive tackle. Right. And I don't I don't want to try to create panic here because I think I think Lions fans already know, like they're not quite happy with this defensive tackle room. Panic fan, is. Lions fans very easy to panic. True. Um, but I think they're right. Like, I think, I think the fact that this unit hinges so much on a Lee McNeil, like you just, you can't have that in, in your defensive tackle. You need guys who can step up and play in his place. And they don't have that guy. Broderick Martin might be a guy that, that can help in, in some situation, though. but he's unproven. He's taking mm-hmm. a huge step in play from, from college to, to the NFL. And the one guy that I think we need to bring into this conversation, because I think, I think he's going to make the team. I think Christian Covington is going to make the team. I think they signed that guy because he's a veteran and they look at that room and they're like, yeah, that's not good enough. And I know some people will probably say like, well, all these edge guys can kick inside. Yes, they can, but they're mostly only doing that on passing downs. What about early downs? What are lines are going to do on early downs? Because they can't do what they did last year and give 80 snaps, 80% of the snaps to a and 80% of the snaps to Isaiah bugs. That's why you get Broderick Martin, but they didn't do anything else. And bro- like we said, they're going to take Broderick Martin along slowly. They're not going to be like, here you go, buddy. Take 50% of the snaps week one. That's not going to happen. And so do I you, think that's, that's why bringing Christian Covington in. Yeah. Do, do you think, though, is there anything to Levi Onzarike? Not not until I see it. Like, I'm, I, I just, I can't. Because here's, here's the conundrum that the lines are going to face is, if he gets, re- if he, it, it sounds like he's probably not going to be ready for the beginning of training camp. So at, if at some point in that six week period, he is ready. Do you, th- you throw him on the field and try to see what you got in those six weeks? Or do you keep him on the pup list for six weeks and, and then hope he's ready? Or 
Because if, if you put him on the field, then he has to make the team. And is he going to make the team? I don't know, man. I haven't seen the dude play. <laughs> and so, like, I think the best, op- I mean, you're probably going to keep him on the pup. That's that's my opinion. They'll keep him on the pup, and maybe at some point in the season, he makes it on the field. I'm not banking on it, and so I'm just, like, throwing my hands up. Let's, he's trending in the right direction. That's great. He's he's getting some on-field work. That's great. I'm still not expecting anything from Levi Onzerike in 2023, and I hope to be surprised. I think that's where we'll leave it. Hoping to be surprised. (laughs) Hoping to be, well, this was about questions. Some questions aren't always happy. True. Uh, What we got this week, Jeremy? A whole bunch coming. Uh, We got our midweek mailbag on Wednesday per usual. We should Um, announce, we should announce that the call-in shows are back. The call-in shows are back. We are back on Twitter spaces now. That is our new home. We got Uh, them to work. The, Yeah. The, the test run last week was good. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we haven't we haven't settled on a time. I think we'll probably move back to, to Saturday mornings, but we haven't settled on a time yet on that yet. So check our Twitter account for that. Um, midweek mailbag Wednesday. Um, I believe Thursday is when we're set up for first bites return, where we'll be going to be talking about the Iowa fellas, the Iowa dudes, Jack Campbell and uh, and Sam Laporta in a hybrid episode. Mm-hmm. Ryan, any anything else, Ed? Go Lions. Go Lions. That's always a good one. Stick with us as we head through the dead of the offseason. We'll keep you all posted on everything Lions and maybe more. Until then, we'll see you star side. This is Pride of Detroit, PUD cast. Oh.